as I mentioned before, I just sort of I found this um, word surprisingly more from just focusing on fruit and fruitfulness into a message around about choices. And it began to take shape in my heart as I read Luke chapter 6. And this morning, by the way, if you've got your version app, I've actually put the service up on, or this message up on the version app for the first time for about, well, I think since March, so it's been a little while. Um, I don't always think of it for no particular reason, but this week I did, so the scriptures are there and a few thoughts as well. Uh, version, wonderful Bible app. This, let me read this, Luke chapter 6, verse 43, 45. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil that's stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And uh, I've probably preached and or thought and taught around this scripture many times, just about the about fruit and the kind of good fruit and bad fruit and what that might, might mean. And I found myself pondering, well, is that what this message is meant to be about this morning? And it is, sort of, but I found that it, it, it kind of took off on a tangent, and it's not an unrelated tangent at all, into the realm of, of choosing um, what I choose to do and what I choose not to do. Um, we live in a complex world, right? Yeah. It's complicated. And I think sometimes we get so used to it being complicated that we need a reminder that actually when it comes to choosing, it's not as complicated as it appears, Um, always. It can be, but I want to say to you that God's made it possible for you and me to make simple choices. Say simple. simple. And I don't mean simple as in lightweight. I just mean to make a simple choice. In other words, it's not as complicated as it appears. So I've got a little bit of prop work again here today. Now, for example, um, who likes chocolate here? Just give me a wave. Okay. Now, if I said to you, would listen to this very carefully. If I said to you, who would like a chocolate? Give me a wave. Uh-huh. What was that? You, you, you asked for a chocolate. So I'm going to give you a chocolate. Who said cherry ripe? You're not having one. <laughs> did, you, did you say you like a chocolate? Yes, please. Here's a chocolate. <laughs> See, in this box of favourites, there's a whole lot of choices. But if the question is, who would like a chocolate... There's only one answer. Anything in that box is a chocolate. Okay? So some of us don't care, but, but some of us are so used to. So if I put this down on the here, like that. Okay. All of a sudden, there's a whole lot of other choices before you. While they're in the box, I can just say there's chocolates. Now, you know because of the Cadbury favourites has been around for a while, you know that there's options inside this box. But my point is, at the end of the day, there's only one choice to make. 
yes or no to chocolate? And then options, yes. And this is where I think we get a little bit bogged down when it comes to doing what God wants us to do. Because we can think there's options and Jesus is actually having none of that. He's saying, no, no, the kingdom's way simpler than that, folks. The kingdom is way less complicated than that. Just choose the simple thing. So let's back up into, um, I didn't print this out, I should have, into um, Luke chapter 6. Just go to the start of that. I've got a little bit of, um, we'll find it. It's in here somewhere. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 1. I've gone through these. So on the Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Okay, so let's just play around this for a minute. I'm saying that in this context, the law of the land was complicated and it was interpreted, and it was imposed, a little bit like the regime we're living in at the moment. There's all sorts of choices being made and decisions being made that are complicated. You try to read our COVID safe management plan just for our church. I mean, <laughs> it is like, oh my gosh, it's about how many pages is it, Kirby? About 40? Seven. <laughs> just goes to show it was a... It, it was a really boring document. It felt like 40 pages anyway. It's like, oh gosh. Well, that was a close call. 40, 10 to 7. Okay. Just remember that little, little hiccup when I tell you about how big the fish is that I catch. You know, it's like, how big was it? Oh, 40 centimetres. Yeah, okay. That's not good. Um, Jesus answered them, verse 3, have you never read what David did when he, was in his, when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, taking the consecrated bread. He ate what is lawful only for the priests eat, and he also gave some of it to his companions. And then Jesus said this to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. See, the Sabbath was and is a very complicated and, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, important part of the Jewish law, one of the Ten Commandments, to keep the Sabbath holy. Yet it was never meant to be something that's imposed on us as a rule. Even though it's a ten, this is a strange thing about God, even though it is one of the Ten Commandments, it's not actually helpful to see it as a Ten Commandment or one of the Ten Commandments. It's actually more helpful to go to the intent of what God had for it. Um, if you ask me. And so Jesus is saying it's actually always going to be trumped by, and life is, doing the simple thing. The simple thing is to actually be a nice person on the Sabbath. The right thing to do, there's other, other words, there's priorities in the decision-making process. And so I, I sort of, if you go back right down through this chapter, you'll find Jesus just to press the point um, he finds a guy in the synagogue who needs to be healed miraculously. And so Jesus sets the legalist people up with um, this. He says on verse 9, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? The legalism had taken the people in that nation down the road where 
the right thing, the good thing, the moral thing, the helpful thing to do for a person was not done because it violated the Sabbath, which is not, I don't think, what God ever intended for it to be. It doesn't make the rule wrong. It makes our interpretation of the rule wrong. Does that make sense? And so the question begs to be asked as we read down through Luke chapter 6. Jesus is highlighting that it's extremely simple to make the right choice. The Sabbath Is the Sabbath for us or us for the Sabbath? Do we serve the Sabbath or does it serve us? Well, last time I checked, the days are actually for me, not the other way around. Like, like I don't find myself got to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath, however you see that, is something that's there for my benefit, uh, but it's not meant to direct the traffic to do something that's not right for somebody else, as an example. Um, then Jesus goes on to talk about blessing the, for the poor, those who are hungry, weep, and when people hate you because of your faith. He's saying those people are going to be blessed. Um, goes on to talk about uh, woe, in other words, not a good thing for those who are rich in this life, who are well fed in this life, who laugh now and who are spoken well of. What he's contrasting is there's, there's choices to make in life. If you're wealthy, don't sort of flaunt it everywhere. Just like, if that's your lot in life, be generous with it. He's kind of saying there's a whole way of living differently. Love enemies. Let people Listen to this. Let people take advantage of you. Who thinks that's a good idea? Let people take advantage of you. When they take something, give them more. What? It's kind of like, I think Jesus is kind of trying to press a point here. Goes on to talk about judging, condemning others. The measure that we use is the measure that will be used to us. In verse 38, the blind cannot lead the blind. Uh, And he goes on into the issue of hypocrisy. And then finally, he comes down to good and bad fruit, which I think is a summary of all that proceeds in the chapter. In other words, there's, there's good fruit will come out of a good person's heart when we're focused on God. It's simple. It's actually simple to love your enemies, isn't it? Simple to say. Simple to say, but not easy to do. But it's the choice we've got to make. The kingdom is advanced when we choose, say choose, when we choose to do what God needs us, wants us, asks us, invites us to do. So the simplicity of choice is a common theme, however, throughout the Bible. Remember in Joshua 24, this is his closing statement to the people, and he's saying, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, I can look at any of us in this room and say, "If, if giving your life to Jesus, if serving Christ with your life is not your call at this point in time, for whatever reason, he goes on to say, then choose for yourselves. This day, whom you will serve, The Bible doesn't give any latitude to the thought, I'm not going to serve anything. I guarantee if I had a conversation with you, I would in a very short space of time know who who or what you're serving. Because we are created to worship. We're created to serve. We are created to actually do something with our lives. And Whether we're serving for the benefit of others or for the benefit of ourselves, we'll be serving something. The simplicity of choice is a common theme. So choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods of your ancestors, who they served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I thought of that stupid meerkat advertisement on TV. Simples. 
Does that advert drive anybody else nuts? I mean, honestly, they, they kind of go, what are advertising companies thinking, putting that stuff on TV or anywhere else for that matter? You guys are all very well behaved. I've got temptation down here. You're, you are allowed to get out of your... Oh, just... <laughs> just one. Anybody else want to come? Rana, you got a chocolate you'd like? I'll even bring it to you. Just give me... Just. Oh, you're going to come? Good man. No, let him come and choose. He mightn't like that one. Come on. See, it really is quite simple. Oh, good man. He's taking one for his wife as well. Good. That's a good call. Yeah, that's a good call. All right. More of my examples. Who likes baby cornichons? They're kind of like, they're like gherkins. This, this thing's actually open, so I've got no idea what status in from the fridge up. It's from the fridge upstairs, so it could have been there since January. Can't see anything floating on top that shouldn't be there, I don't think. Who'd like one of those? Oh, yeah, it's a little late. No. I wonder whether if I asked somebody who hadn't eaten a decent meal for a couple of weeks because they were living in a part of the world where they had no food whether they'd be interested in taking the lid off that and having what's in it. Or if I held this up, quick penne pasta, Woolworths, 90-second microwave. Who's into that? Shame to go for that. A couple of people put their hands up. Again, if you said, well, that's not my thing, I don't like it. My point is, amongst other things I'm trying to say this morning is, if... If it was the only thing you were going to get offered to eat for the next month, would you take it? Simples. It's simple. I think for me, the revelation out of this message was I'm too often spoiled for choice when the simple thing to do is to choose what God wants. Forgiving somebody being generous, getting over being excluded, getting over feelings of inadequacy, getting over whatever it is that might have offended me is actually the simple thing to do. I don't mean it's easy, but it's the simple. It's like that choice will take me places that hanging on to that won't. It's like, and so Jesus is in this chapter highlighting that good trees bear good fruit. If you and I choose to do what the kingdom would be advanced by, you're going to have, I'm going to have good fruit growing out of my life. However, if I choose to remain tied up in unforgiveness, tied up in poor financial planning, tied up in other matters that, that I'm feeling for whatever reason justified to hang on to, that fruit is going to continue to grow in my life. And I know that I can end up bitter and twisted. I was driving the car the other day and I pinched my skin. Look at this. If you're watching online, this is 63-year-old skin. It's kind of creepy. <laughs> I, I remember looking at my dad's hand when he got old and I think, what's and it's like, but there's nothing I can do about that. It's just getting older. And I'm thinking if my skin can get stuck like that, it's sort of that crease test. It's like... <laughs> Guarantee in your heart, in my heart, 
we can have the pinch test of things that are stuck there and, we, and they don't return to normal easily. My skin's not as flexible or pliable as it used to be. What about my heart? What about your heart? The longer I hang on to an offence, I guarantee the longer it'll get stuck like that and it won't. It's like God can miraculously deliver us from any of that. I've got no doubt about it, but I've got to choose. I've got to choose to lay it down. I've got to choose to repent. I've got to choose to confess. I've got to choose to go, God, I don't want this in my life anymore. I'm happy to eat just the one thing you want me to eat today. I'm not going to go and choose a particular chocolate. I'm just going to have one because I've been offered a chocolate. I've been offered forgiveness. I'm having it. I've been offered abundance. I'm having it. I'm being offered to be spat on for being a Christ follower. Oh, hang on a minute. I didn't think that was in the mix. Read your Bible. We're going to get carted off and put in jail. We live in a season where Christians have had a pretty good run in the Western world, but mark my words, the days that are coming, folks, where it might cost us a lot more than just putting our tithes and offerings into the offering um, scenario at church, it might cost us our lives. We might have our businesses taken from us. We might be put in jail. Who knows? That's happened in other parts of the world, not in the West, thank the Lord, thus far, but it could happen. Simple. As simple as a stroke of the pen, as simple as an edict from somebody to stop us from singing in church. It's as simple as, it's like you go, yeah, that, that's pretty simple. And we're complying with it. I'm not complaining at all. My point is it's simple, that simple things are the way forward. Be simple. Don't uncomplicate your life. Declutter, you know, all those things. Simply love God. <laughs> oh, Not going to forget this message, are you? Simples. Who's responsible back there? Give me a wave. Who was that? Was that you? Pastor John's back in the camp. Okay. Put it back up. That's true. That's good. Simples. I was just, uh, I did my U version thing and didn't do that. I could have got that graphic organized. So when I stop to think about it this week, life at every turn is a result of choices. And when we peel away the perception of complexity, it really is simple. Who spent, looking nowhere, my wife's not here, that's a good thing. Who spent 15, 20 minutes this morning deciding what to wear to church? (laughs) Spoiled for choice. I'm glad you all came clothed. But the, the bottom line is, the choice is to get dressed. It's not that complicated. Unless you've got a wardrobe with 3,000 dresses or whatever in it. But. So I want to re- recap. So my thought here is this. That we've, we can be, because we live in a world in Australia with so many choices. We've got so much we can have as options. Go to buy a new car, or what colour? What sort of wheels do you want? Do you want it with all the wheels and whistles and bells? Or do you want to have this? Do you want to have that? It's like options. Even go to McDonald's. Not that I go there. You can have options, right? Not that many options. You go to a restaurant. Would you like that with this? Would you like that with that? Would you like this with that? We can have that with this. Can you do that? It's like we get used to the whole idea of, of having options. And I think Jesus is encouraging us don't look for options, just look for obedience. 
Don't look for a way to make it work. Do, do what the law requires, in that sense of the word. Do what the Lord requires, probably more importantly, which is a couple of things. Love God, love your neighbour as yourself. Pretty simple, right? Is it? Jesus said it himself. These two things summarise the whole law. I reckon Jesus is into simple. And so I'm looking around this, down the front row this morning, and I'm looking at you guys, not to pick on you, just to set you free. I reckon some of you guys have bought into complexity. Complex friendships, complex stuff, it's like it's complicated. I'm looking at all five of you in the front row and saying, be set free. Like, let Jesus show you how to go simples. Simple. Okay, I'm just prophesying. Simple is a key, Denim. Simple. I don't know whether you've got some complicated things in the mix of your world at the moment, but the answer you're looking for is simple. Not easy, but simple. Like right down the road at Chelsea at the other end. It's simple. Amen. Does that sit all right on you guys? Sound like God's talking to you? Good. I mean, I am talking to you, but God can talk through me, right? So, yeah, you know what I mean. Simple. Simple. Listen, even James, in the book of James, he, he jumps into this topic about asking God for wisdom. He says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. See, a doubting person's got options. Doubt is about options. I'm not sure that's true. I'm not sure whether God will do that. I'm not sure whether God wants me to have that. I'm not sure whether it's the right thing for me. That's options bubbling up out of our soul because we're so used to options. And the Bible just says, don't be like that. Just focus on what you ask for. God, can I have wisdom? And I don't doubt. And the Bible says, if I don't doubt, I'll get it. This is making sense to anybody. Verse 7, that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Ever sat at a restaurant? Actually, um, I think I might have shared this before. I did a um, master's in leadership a number of years ago, and one of our lecturers said, um, we said, well, how do you kind of, what, what sort of process do you do to interview a potential leader? in a position, like in business, church, whatever. He said, I'll take them out for a meal. I said, why do you do that? He says, well, we sit down at a restaurant and I go to a restaurant with as many meal options as possible. I said, oh, how come? He said, because a leader will make a choice like that. He said, the person who sits there for 15 minutes and is looking at all the options and asking all the questions, he said, my, choice, my thought is they probably won't lead well. And that was his number one starting point for an interview process. Come out for a meal. I thought, how interesting is that? My thought around that is declutter your life. Declutter your thought processes. I remember I had a boss once in the bank when I worked there a long time ago. He used to say this all the time, don't confuse me with the facts, my mind's made up. Ever heard that? Don't confuse me with the facts, my mind is made up. It's like, yeah, okay, just let that one sit. That's just a free one thrown in for nothing this morning. So we can often be deceived into thinking the decision is made, to be made, has too many options. But what if that's not true? What if this morning, choosing Jesus is as simple as saying yes? Oh, but I'm not sure that I believe. I'm not sure. It's like, 
I've been interested in spiritual things. I'm kind of, I kind of believe that God's real. But what if it's possible just to go, nah, I've had it. I'm not dilly-dallying anymore. I'm not sitting on the peripheral. I'm choosing to follow Jesus. It's the decision I'm making. It's simple. It might not be the easiest thing to live out my life serving him for the rest of my days. I've got no idea. But today, I've chosen to follow Jesus. Maybe today is a day for you who is already a Christian to go, I've decided I'm going to live my life without that. Whatever that is, I'm going to let that thing go today before we finish in the next five minutes. I'm going to quit that thing. It's not going to hold on to me anymore. It's not going to pull me down. It could be a thought. It could be a habit. It could be something you've planned to do and decided right here this morning, you've chosen, I'm not doing that. Maybe there's a new job in the wings and you've been looking at it and thinking, isn't it, isn't, 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 isn't it? Should I, shouldn't I? Choose. Oh, but do you think I need to speak to God? Sometimes you do, but sometimes you just need to choose. Say choose. choose. Some people come to me and say, oh, I'm not sure what to do. I can't, I can't decide. Yes, you can. It's simple. Choose. If it's the wrong choice, you'll work that out soon enough. Oftentimes. Especially if you've asked God to help you. When you pray, God help me to choose. The next thing is, for goodness sake, Choose. Don't ask, oh, I asked God, I'm still praying about it. God's not that dumb. He just goes, yes or no. Anybody happy with that line of thinking? Okay, so some closing questions. Do I need to confess or say sorry to God for any past bad choices? I was thinking about this morning as a practice in our church, we don't spend a lot of time in the arena of confession. Some Christian traditions, confession's a big deal, and it certainly is a big deal. Um, and there's no particular reason for that, um, other than the fact that we probably focus a little more on faith and stepping into God and his promises um, by choice, but that by no means negates the absolute imperative that we repent and the absolute imperative that we confess our sin because God forgives us when we do that. And so I'm just wondering this morning, do you need to confess? Why don't we just close our eyes for a minute? I want to just pause right there and pray right there. Because this is a, and can be, one of the most sacred life-changing moments in a person's world is to have a private, honest conversation with God and say, Lord, I, I really stuffed that up. Lord, I wish I had not said that. God, I know I hurt that person. Would you forgive me? Lord, if it's meant to be that I can make that relationship at least repaired or closed by confession or repentance or saying sorry, give me the courage to do that. One of the saddest things to read around counselling and being a pastor is the amount of self-criticism that people live with. Oftentimes the most outspoken damning voice in our heads is our own. 
Not everybody suffers from that, I get that. But I certainly do. And some of you sitting here this morning do. And so, Father, I pray that you would show us how to forgive ourselves. Lord, we confess with our mouths right now that you have forgiven us. And I pray, Lord, that we would forgive ourselves. And we'd see Jesus walking into the room, whatever that context is, taking a hold of that moment, that matter, that conversation, that incident, whatever it was. Lord, I confess it, I put it in your care and ask you to take it. And he will takes it out of your life, declutters your world in that particular moment. We declare in Jesus' name forgiveness. Your sins are forgiven. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness, it says. I love the fact that the Bible says to us, folks, we don't have to go and do an inventory. We just have to be positioned into a place of confession. Maybe identifying a few things that we know are matters to confess. But I love the fact that the Bible clearly shows when we do that, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. So again, it's simple. It's simply positioning ourselves into a place of confession. If that's helped you this morning, I'm very, very grateful, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to finally say this, that freedom, fruitfulness, a life that matters is found in choosing to follow Jesus' lead in forgiveness and blessing. So to close this morning, is Jesus living inside your life? Have you chosen to receive him into your life? Or is it still a battle? If you're listening online, if you're sitting in the auditorium, it makes no difference where you are listening to this. Be assured that this little bit of the conversation this morning is a battleground of distraction, a battleground of internal conversation. No, God couldn't forgive you of that. The enemy will keep lying to you and keep lying to you. Jesus will keep telling you the truth. I love you. I died for you. You can be set free. If you've never invited Christ into your life, never prayed a prayer that invites Jesus in, never prayed a prayer of confession saying, Lord, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. We can have a prayer time together like that right now. Everybody here would love to join you in praying a prayer, which I'll lead phrase by phrase. And uh, you can invite Jesus into your life. If you've never prayed a prayer like that or you've moved a long way from God and you know you have, why don't you come back to Him? We can pray the same prayer of connecting with Him. But I need you to do something um, a little bit brave in order to do that. I need you to slip your hand up and say, that's me, Bruce. The step of faith to stick your hand up and say, yep, that's me, Pastor Bruce. Can we, can we pray that prayer? I want to give my life or recommit my life to Jesus. And... Uh, I won't get you to move from your seat. I won't do anything. I just, we'll just stand together and we'll pray a prayer, surround you with prayer. That is an incredibly precious moment of receiving Christ into your life. If that's you, in the next few seconds, 
Just let the Holy Spirit have a bit of a wander through your life. And then slip your hand up and say, that's me, Bruce. I'm ready to choose Jesus. Anybody at all. Thank you, Lord. Father, we pray this morning then that as we head out into this week, that we would find ourselves living simply, making simple choices, simply choosing the kingdom, simply choosing to love, simply choosing to forgive, simply choosing to be generous, simply choosing the culture of the kingdom of God. Lead us, direct our path, open doors for us, Father. We pray that the fruit of righteousness would flourish around our lives, around our businesses, around our families, and in all that we do. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen. We're going to stand. Um, Kelly's going to sing a song to close the meeting. Um, before we do that, though, I don't want to take these home. So I might just come for a little walk. <laughs> Turkish delight. Now, I'm going to get in trouble here because I haven't got enough for everybody. So if you're getting desperate for chocolate, put your hand up. Les, just anyone desperate back here? You've already had one each, so you can't have any more, can you? No, you could, yes. No, we're all good. No. Oh.